Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Fracking produces a lot of wastewater. What should we do with it? Maybe water your crops. Coming to you from the Ecos Conference in Vermont, this is Parts Per Billion. Hello and welcome to a very, very special episode of Parts Per Billion. Believe it or not, I'm coming to you from inside a gondola on a ski mountain in Vermont. I'm here for the annual conference of ECOS, or the Environmental Council of the States. And few issues have vexed states more than hydraulic fracturing or fracking. It produces a lot of wastewater, and states aren't quite sure where they should put it all. That's where Nicole Saunders comes in. She's an energy attorney with the Environmental Defense Fund, and she's focused on making sure companies and states dispose of this water right. I spoke with her outside of the ECOS conference, but first I wanted to make sure I understood what fracking really is. I think I understand what fracking is, but I, it's you're taking water, shooting it way, way, way underground at really high pressures. You break the rock open at the you know that's deep underground. That releases gas. The gas comes up. You collect that gas and then sell it and make a lot of money. That's that's fracking. Sure. At a, at a really at a really high level, I think uh, that's the basic understanding. The water. Um, there's also propens like sand. Propens. Propens to prop open ah. the fracture, and um, you'll use some some chemicals in that in that operation. So you're not just sending water down. You're sending water and other stuff. But essentially, that's what you're doing. You're breaking open the the rock down there, releasing the gas. What you're working on is kind of what happens to that water afterward, right? Sure. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of the work that I do revolves around what's called produced water. So produced water is the the wastewater essentially that comes back after a well is completed. And it's common not only for wells that are hydraulically fractured, but also for more conventional oil and gas produced wells. Oil and gas operations can produce a, a very small amount of water over their life, or some of them can produce something like 10 barrels of water for every barrel of oil that they produce. So it can be a lot of volume. And what do you do with that water? So traditionally, the oil and gas um, industry has taken their produced water and disposed of it in um, underground injection control wells or disposal wells. Or so just sending it back, back down? Essentially sending it back down. So um, either using it to enhance some kind of oil recovery, which is a, a traditional method, or just disposing it in a very deep disposal well. 
And that, uh, I understand, has caused a, a few problems. In some limited circumstances in certain parts of the country um, where disposal wells were constructed in a certain place and in a certain way, they have been tied to some um, induced seismicity or earthquakes. So, so a place like Oklahoma is a really great example of an area where you're seeing um, larger volumes and larger pressures, and that is led in some instances to those earthquakes. That's not good. Um, nobody wants sort of man-made earthquakes. Um, but it sounds like one of the things that you're working on uh, or you're looking into is instead of just shooting the water back down underground, using it for something. What, what, what is, what's that all about? More than 90, maybe 95 percent of the produced water from these operations is disposed underground. But there are parts of the country that are facing a number of different drivers or stressors where um, both regulators and industry are beginning to think about what if we did something different with this produced water. Where, Where is that? So that's in places like Oklahoma, where there's some concern about seismicity. It's in places in the western part of the country where there's a big concern about drought and the availability of water resources. And um, in other parts of the country where um, the traditional mechanisms for disposal are very complex or costly for industry. So it can cost a lot in some parts of the country to have a disposal well or um, to truck it a very long distance to get to a disposal well. So there's this broader thinking about what if we could convert this waste into a potential resource um, from a water perspective? And what I work on a lot is um, we don't want to leap blindly into that or um, look before we leap, for example, because there's quite a bit that we don't know about produced water and a lot of concerns about what the um, short and long-term health and environmental risk would be of that change in practice. Now, when you say resource, what are we talking about here? Are we saying taking fracking wastewater and turning it into drinking water? Or would it just be water that would water my plants? Or would it be you know, water that would do other stuff? But or would this, are, are we able to filter out what's in this water enough that we could actually drink it? Oh, um, I, don't, I don't think we're even close to being there. Not, not by any um, shot. But there's a couple different ways that we're thinking about the reuse of this water. The first, and one that I would say um, we support, is industry beginning to look, um, and they have been for a while, in, in thinking, can we, can we use water that's not fresh water to hydraulically fracture or drill our well? So can we do something um, so that we're using less local fresh water, having a lesser impact on the local water resources, and use this waste stream to, to produce our wells? Um, so recycling the produced water inside the oil field. So that would essentially be shooting the water underground, breaking up the rock and releasing the oil or gas. The water comes back up. They collect it, and then it goes right back underground to do the same thing. So it's like just a, a loop. It's like a snake eating his tail. Yeah, <laughs> haven't heard it that way, but sure, similar to that. And you guys are, are in favor of that? Yeah, I think we would be in favor of her that with the caveat that let's not spill and leak it. Um, the the second is is broader. So there are bigger questions about using produced water for crop irrigation or some other type of municipal irrigation. Also looking at other industrial uses where other industries use water. Could they instead use some form of produced water or treated produced water? What do you guys uh, think of that? We definitely need to be thinking a lot more about what exactly is in this water. It's not just about the chemicals that are used in operations. Even more so, it's about what's been down there for a really long time, deep underground, um, and, and what kind of interactions maybe have happened. And when it comes up in a wastewater, 
what are the risks to soil, to um, human health populations, to ecosystems, to water, to um, plants, to, to all of that? What do we know? And, and the answer is that we don't know um, a lot. So we should note here that after I spoke with Nicole, I heard back from Reed Porter, a spokesman at the American Petroleum Institute, who said in an email that his industry runs all of its waste management plans past state regulators before they drill. Okay, now back to Nicole. What makes it really interesting is the fact that produced water is different from state to state. So so we, we've been talking about as though it's an it, and really it's, it's a very um, variable um, waste stream. And what happens from state to state is going to be extremely different because the water that they're dealing with and the practices that they're dealing with and the um, particular drivers and pressures they're dealing with is very different. So what you see right now are, are states, and, as well as the federal government, EPA, thinking about it in a number of different ways. So you have places like Oklahoma, where we heard at the Environmental Council of States meeting this morning, um, thinking about if we were to discharge or permit discharge in the future, what are those research questions? We think we're pretty far out from that. Let's get together and start deciding what should we be thinking about. So, so I think that's really great. And you see other states like um, Colorado and North Dakota were also on this panel this morning thinking about road application of produced water and um, seeing that as a practice that has happened for some time and starting to take a step back and say, maybe we should think about this in a new way. So you're seeing states learn as well through this process. And so that's good. You mean road application, like putting it on the roads instead of salt to when it's snowy? Yeah. So either as um, ice or dust suppression happens in some parts of the country. And, and you heard this morning from this panel that we're taking, a, there's, those states are taking a step back and saying, what do we need to know about this water and how can we do this better? The last thing I wanted to ask you is just a more, much more broad question, which is you know, about fracking in general. Um, you know, we've seen that it, it can impact local communities, water supplies in, in a big way. But we've also seen that it doesn't necessarily have to. Do you think it can be it can be done safely, and and that there are ways to do it that mitigate the the impacts on the environmental impacts on communities, or do you think that ultimately there's no real safe way to do hydraulic fracturing or fracking, as it's more commonly known? I think that. Um the key, the key part of this is is not necessarily um, is it safe. Is more of are are in this time where production of oil and gas is, is remains part of our um, society, part of our economy. We need to be thinking about whether or not we are pushing the limits of making sure that we are reducing as many feasible risks as we possibly can. Um, everything from you know, methane emissions that EDF works on quite a bit and all of these little detailed components of how the ma- waste is managed. Where is it going? What does the water impact look like? So there are a lot, a lot of questions to go into that question of safe. And I think you know, the best answer I can give you is that everything that we physically can do to do to reduce the impacts on local communities and the environment and people at large we need to be doing and there's a lot of advancements that need to take place um, to to watch that happen and and you know hopefully eventually transition into other sources of energy so it sounds like you're saying it's you know it's not the question of whether it's safe or not safe the question is this is happening this is a big part of the economy let's make it safer I, I think that's right. I, I think it would be very difficult to say safe check 
box checked. I think we always need to be looking for ways that we can continuously improve and continuously make it better. Not only um, industry itself, but also you know regulators are constantly tweaking. You can see constantly thinking about how do we push, how do we um, control the right things, how are we tackling new issues. This produced water is a great example of a new issue that we weren't really talking about um, five years ago. Even this time last year, the discussion wasn't as heavy as it is today. And so this is a new risk and a new issue that we need to be very, very, very careful about. And we just need to be smart and um, do better research and manage those risks better. Okay, and we're back in the gondola. That was Nicole Saunders of the Environmental Defense Fund. Check back later this week for more podcasts from Vermont. This episode of Parts Rebellion was produced by myself and Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. Our editor is Marissa Horn. Music for this episode is A Message by Jazari. It was used under a Creative Commons attribution and share-alike license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.